0: What is up, my dudes? Welcome back to yet another episode of Olympia Oddities. So I realized the other day, it's been a really long time since I've covered the topic of aliens or UFOs. So for this week, I'm going to be telling you the story of one of the Pacific Northwest's most notorious UFO sightings, and its connection to a previous episode. Today, I'm telling you the story of the Maury Island Incident, a UFO sighting that predates even the infamous Roswell sighting. The Maury Island incident refers to claims made by two men, Fred Crisman and Harold Dahl. They claimed that they had seen UFOs over Maury Island, that they had photographic evidence of it, and that the crafts had left behind materials that they were able to gather as a sample. The story goes that on June 21, 1947, Harold Dahl had been out on his boat as part of his harbor patrol duties. That day, he was accompanied by his son, Christopher, two other men working on the boat, and their family dog. They were patrolling the waters near Maury Island, and they were approaching the island's east shore at around 2 p.m. when Dahl looked up and noticed something otherworldly in the sky. He spotted six objects that seemed to be made out of reflective metal, hovering about 2,000 feet above his boat. They were donut-shaped, with a diameter of about 100 feet. He estimated the center holes to be about 25 feet in diameter. He also noticed round portholes along the ship and what he thought was an observation window five of the ships began circling around the sixth one, which began to drop slowly in altitude. It finally came to a stop and hovered about 500 feet in the air. At this point, the men were pretty freaked out and concerned that the craft might fall out of the air and crash land on their boat, so Harold set off for the shore of the island. Once they safely arrived on the shore, Harold allegedly took several pictures of the mysterious objects in the sky with a camera that he had brought along with him that day. One of the ships that had been circling above the lowered one, also moved downwards and touched the ship. They touched each other for several minutes and then the men reported hearing a loud thud sound. Thousands of pieces of what Harold had originally thought were newspapers exploded from the sixth ship, cascading into the sky. Most of this material landed in the ocean, though some did make its way to the beach. Harold was able to pick some up and noticed that it was a lightweight white metal After the original drop of materials, the ship also dropped a darker metal that the men said looked a lot like lava rock. As this material hit the ocean, it was so hot that it caused a steam eruption. Several pieces of debris hit the patrol boat, causing some damage to it. Another piece hit Christopher, Harold's son, in the arm, burning him. Tragically, another piece fell and killed their poor family dog. After dumping these strange materials, the craft rose into the air where it joined the others, and they all headed west, out to sea together. Harold ran back to his boat and attempted to use the radio to call for help, but found that it wasn't working. They decided instead to sail back to their home dock, and for some reason gave the dog a a burial at sea during this time, dumping its body overboard. Where, now I don't know what kind of condition the dog's body was in, but I think if I was out on a boat and something tragic happened to my dog that was caused by an alien... I think I would keep the dog's body around as proof, but that's just me. Maybe that's our first red flag that something isn't quite right in this story. After taking Christopher to the hospital for treatment, Harold returned to the dock to tell his boss, Fred Crisman, about what had happened. He also handed over his camera that he had allegedly taken the pictures with. After developing the film strips together, they saw that Harold had managed to capture the UFOs in the photographs. They also noticed that the film had spots on it, and they compared the damage to the film of that to film that had been damaged by radiation. Fred said that he was originally skeptical of Harold's story, but decided to go to Maury Island for himself to see the scene and collect some rock samples. He said that as he was gathering rocks on the beach, one of the UFOs reappeared. It hovered in the sky above him, as if it was watching him. This is an excellent time to note that this wasn't Fred Crisman's first experience with the extraterrestrial. His name first appeared in the UFO community in a May 1947 issue of Amazing Stories. In this letter, he claimed that he had fought his way out of a cave full of alien robots with a submachine gun. On the 22nd, the day after the sighting, Harold claimed that he was contacted by a man in a black suit. The man visited him and suggested that they go get breakfast together. Harold agreed to this, but decided to drive his own car to the restaurant. He followed the mysterious man in black as he drove his Buick to the restaurant. Harold claimed that as they ate, the man didn't ask him a single question. Instead, he began listing off all the events of the previous day, exactly how they had happened. He concluded by saying, quote, What I have said to you is proof that I know a great deal more about this experience of yours than you will want to believe, and warned that bad things could happen to Harold and his family if he kept telling people what he saw. Despite this, Harold and Fred decided to send a package that included metal fragments and statements about the bizarre events to Ray Palmer, a publisher in Chicago. Ray Palmer recognized Fred Crisman's name from the letter detailing his alien battle in Amazing Stories, so he passed the information on to Kenneth Arnold, who I've done an episode on in the past about his sighting and how it coined the term Flying Saucer. Kenneth Arnold was now investigating UFO reports throughout the Pacific Northwest, And decided to meet with the men to conduct an investigation into their story. Kenneth met with the men in Tacoma in late July and brought along another pilot, a man named E.J. Smith, to help him with the investigation. Fred did most of the talking as they told him the story of the sighting, but Harold had a new detail to add to the story. Christopher, his son, had gone missing. They also examined the damage to Harold's boat and the pieces of metal the craft had allegedly left behind. Kenneth Arnold was sold on the story and excitedly contacted two Air Force intelligence officers. The two men, Captain Lee Davidson and First Lieutenant Frank Brown, flew to Tacoma on July 31st. They met with Arnold, Crisman, and Dahl for several hours, and the men once again told their story, and the evidence was reexamined. The intelligence officers came to a different conclusion than Kenneth Arnold had, though. They weren't buying it, and they had both concluded that the metal was really just pieces of aluminum. Because they thought that their findings would embarrass him, they kept their findings from Kenneth and headed back to California. Tragically, the plane they were flying back in caught fire and wrecked, killing them both. This sad and coincidentally timed crash helped fuel further intrigue and debate into the Maury Island incident. It's not hard to see why people would think something suspicious happened with this plane wreck, especially seeing how the Wikipedia page just says, quote, The officers then died in a crash on their way back to California about it. It does sound sketchy as hell, and is definitely weird timing, but is most likely just a tragic accident. I got to see part of the wreckage of this B-52 at the Chehalis Flying Saucer Party last year, and I'll be sharing pictures of it on the podcast Facebook and Instagram page if you want to see for yourself. The FBI also launched their own investigation into the case. Their findings were that the men's tale was nothing but a hoax. However, it is noted in the FBI's files that Harold Dahl did say that, quote, if questioned by the authorities, he was going to say it was a hoax because he did not want to any further trouble over the matter. The files also say that the men's story changed and had variations depending on who they were telling it to, and that they had told it to numerous papers and magazines. They also found evidence of the men sending their story into numerous publications across the country, and concluded that Harold and Fred had created the stories of hopes of getting it published in a magazine or getting a book deal. Harold also claimed that Christopher was eventually found waiting tables in Montana, but had no recollection of how he had gotten there. Kenneth Arnold would tell their story in his book, The Coming of the Saucers, and remained a believer in their story. Author Gray Barker also published a book featuring the incident in 1956. This book called, They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, helped popularize the concept of the men in black in pop culture. In 2014, a short film was made about the incident called the Maury Island Incident. I haven't watched it yet, but it's definitely on my to-watch list. The Washington State Senate also passed a resolution acknowledging the 70th anniversary of the events in 2017. Today, it's widely accepted that the Maury Island incident was nothing more than a made-up story by two guys looking for fame in the science fiction magazines that were so popular at the time. Today, most don't even believe that Fred and Harold worked as harbor patrolmen, and were really just two guys with a get-rich-quick plan. While it's a made-up story, it's a great made-up story, and for better or worse, helped introduce the the concept of men in black to the UFO community. If nothing else... At least we got one great and two pretty good Will Smith movies out of it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Olympia Oddities. You can follow the podcast on Facebook or Instagram at Olympia Oddities Podcast for updates and media that go along with the episodes. And remember to keep an eye on those guys. Until next time, friends!